Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Celeste Stein Show. I'm your host, Dr. Celeste Stein, and today's guest is a relationship expert who is here to discuss his latest book, Black, Married, and Not Feeling It. Dr. Terry Schofield, also known as Dr. T, has a PhD in clinical psychology. He's a nationally recognized expert on personal relationships and human performance. He's provided a broad range of life consultations to several of Hollywood's elites and has worked with Fortune 500 companies and does performance management training for both profit and nonprofit organizations. He is the author of current books, Why We Do What We Do, Learn to Improve Relationships in Your Life, Black Married and Not Feeling It, and 12 Insights. Dr. T has also worked as a motivational speaker, trainer, college lecturer, and speaker at several academic institutions and executive leadership teams across the U.S. Welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. Celeste. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here with you this morning. Thank you. I really, really appreciate you joining us. And today, obviously, I would like to cover the status of the Black family in America, relationships, in terms of what's working and what's not. And I really would like to begin here with talking about the recent admission of Will and Jada Pinkett Smith regarding her relationship with August Alsina while she and Will were separated. So first I'll say that this is not the typical approach uh, that you hear in most relationships, right? Typically a lot of times when there is infidelity, people just want to end it right there and that's it, over, done. But August Alsina came out in a recent interview to say that Will actually gave the two of them his blessing while he was not divorced from Jada. What'd you think of all that? Well, it's interesting because I've always felt like sexual infidelity is uh, actually uh, effort for looking for gains in your losses. So I always see that sexual infidelity is, is people that are looking for gains in the losses. Dr. Alan Croissant, a good friend of mine, always said that he looked at rape as a sense of primal control or lack of. And I'm not saying everybody that's involved in sexual infidelity is rape-oriented, but I think that the whole, whole issue of uh, looking for gains in your loss is trying to make sense of stuff that's not making sense. Mm -hmm. A way of actually controlling our brain tends to want to uh, find, uh, to adapt itself to understand and make reason out of things when it, when it gets out of whack. <laughs> It always wants to stabilize us and makes us feel like we're in control or safe. That's your brain's job. It's not to make you happy, but to make you safe. So we start looking for things. And so I think that within that relationship, maybe they were looking for gains in their losses. They were trying to figure out, you know, how can I get some wins, right? How can I get some wins in this? And sometimes people tend to look outside themselves for those gains in their losses and, and find such relationships. And we also have things such as interest intimacy. After the entrance of sex and all those things are done, then we find that sense of, uh, of uh, after it, it kind of justifies our sense for having the fidelity uh, as it's to do with those infatuations of intimate intimacy. So it's a lot surrounding that thing. Yeah. Well, the recent book that you, you've written that you have on the market, Black, Married and Not Feeling, it certainly would imply that a lot of Black couples are not happy in their relationships. In fact, you say being black, married and not feeling it is like when a person finds themselves lost and driving in a remote area on a highway. While lost, you're lying. 
businesses while uh, relying on their GPS to help find their way out of the place they find themselves in. Uh, but the additional, it says, but the additional problem is the GPS is malfunctioning. It is not doing what it's supposed to be doing because you are in a dead spot with no navigational signals on how to get out. So interesting, <laughs> interesting way of putting it. Um, so what, what should the GPS slash people in every relationship be doing to get out of the dead spot? Well, first you have to understand that you're lost. Mm. You have to accept. See, like you said, Dr. Celeste, you, you have to accept. L look at it. The stats are 42% of African-American relationships are ending in divorce. 68% of our children are birthed in unmarried relationships. You've got 62% of our African-American homes are ran by single, single-family parents. I did some historical perspectives, and when you look at the slavery and all of that, the three-fifth compromise is all about trying to, you know, put taxation on populations to increase the southern states. Then you had the 13th, 14th Amendment that came in there to try to legislate personhood, which tried to connect it to a contractual image of marriage. So, you know, you've got to first realize, I got a problem. How many people could you think of? Give me three to five people that you think of that you thought these guys got it going on. And now, hmm, they may have a few problems. Can you think of maybe three to five people? And I'm sure all of us can. Yeah, Let me ask you this. When, I, when you first heard that black married and not feeling it, what did you think um, about that? <laughs> well, <laughs> that that uh, turn it turn it in on me, huh? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, black married and not feeling it to me would imply uh, sort of a a base level uh, carnal approach uh, to relationships, and one in which um, you're not necessarily concerned with the feeling of others or, or your significant other, but rather yourself only and what you can get out of it. So um, I think some of us need to take the I out of we in a relationship. That's my well, that, <laughs> that, that That is powerful. I had a quote. I, I had a quote in there that says, if they can't accept the you in you, then you can't accept the me in we. And so yes. that's in the book. But, but you're right. I, I think the one thing we need to understand is first we understand that we got a problem. We got a problem. We're leading, African-Americans are leading the highest declining rates of marriage. So we do have a problem. And if we, if we, if we have a sense of where we're denying that, statistics prove it. Uh, secondly, we need to understand our unrealistic demands that we bring in relationships. I think a lot of times we bring unrealistic demands that we bring from family schemas and certain things that we've learned along the way and learned behavior. I mean, we don't see things as you are. We see things as we are. You know what I mean? So we bring a lot of we are in relationships that are not what the other person brings. So there we got a problem, right? We're trying to reach over and we're trying to connect and it's difficult. So we have to understand the unrealistic demands. We have to understand the things that we do have a problem in midnight that we're we're in a dead zone. <laughs> right. A well, one thing, though, I think a lot of people realize they have some kind of problem. It, it, yeah. It's that gut feeling that something's not right. However, they shy away from addressing the problem. Why do you think that is? Well, sometimes, you know, I always say that if you, if, if, if you fail to, if you don't confront the dysfunction, you will continue to malfunction. 
So a lot of times we don't know how to confront it. So we so so you know that's the thing. And so we have to understand that we have to learn how to confront dysfunctional things in a relationship, but we haven't learned how to do that over time, I think, in a lot of ways. Because you know in African American families and probably true around other ethnicities, we didn't talk about it. Right. Yes, Shoot, you, go, you go to your mom or your dad and start asking them problems, man, they go over and sit down in the corner somewhere, right? <laughs> right. Don't you be bringing all go that up. Go sit down. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, so right. there we are. And so, mm-hmm. so here's the problem. We've got a bunch of millennials sitting out looking about how we're not confronting the dysfunctions. And so they're saying, I'm not getting married. I ain't fooling with that. Right. Right. Because mm-hmm. I don't have a paradigm in which to draw to give me a successful relationship. So mm-hmm. I know there's some dysfunction in this thing, but how do I confront it? So that's what this book was all about. The book was saying, hey, we got a problem. Right. right? And yeah. so uh, this book is mainly about teaching people about some of the dysfunctions in the relationships and how to get out of them. And if you notice in the book, behind each chapter, I specifically wrote ways of practical exercises because it wasn't enough to telling people, hey, you're in the forest, not letting them get out of it, right? Right, right. So I think we need to begin to have open dialogue and, and find workable solutions that we can actually, you know, number one, identify we got a problem. Number two, understand the unrelated demands, the associations of things that we have learned over our history that are causing problems and issues in our tissue and, and when we're relating with each other. Uh, I right. think that's often important. But do, and, uh, you, do you feel, though, uh, Dr. T, do you feel that there there are times when a relationship is just over? How do you identify, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's time to fold up the tent or or stick it out? <laughs> That's a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> Put it back on me, right? Okay. Well, I think, I think when you have miscommunication, mm-hmm. when you find times where people are... Uh, it's, it's, they know that problems are existing and they, they know that they've got a problem and they don't know quite how to deal with it. Um, there's, I call it this time where couples are really, uh, well, I, I wrote a name down for it. Uh, and, and, and let me grab it for you. And it, it's, it's a powerful name. I wrote it down. It's called, um, uh, rewriting. It's when we start coloring the relationship as all bad stuff. We mm. rewrite the marriage. We rewrite the, rewrite the relationship with all the bad stuff instead of the good stuff. You know, when you're in a relationship and you're thinking more about the bad stuff than the good stuff, because all negative attitudes are not taking us anywhere. We've got to learn how to think about relationships in that context. So I think that when a relationship is over is when you start realizing uh, 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 you have seeds of discontent you have uh, people, uh, acts of unjust, when you're trying to make other people like yourself and you really can't accept that. Um, when you find a sense of detachment, uh, those, those things, you know, you have a lot of uh, marriage deadlocks, sexual breakdowns, rough times, strolls, more fights than flights, yeah. you know, uh, sleeping in separate rooms, right? Um, you know, one thing, I, I, well, I think sometimes people will say, well, this is a deal breaker for me. And so from, I guess, really from a psychological standpoint, 
you know, what things should one really see as red flags in terms of, of not being tolerated in a relationship? Well, if there's violence associated in a relationship, you've got to the point where you're actually, you know, physically abusing. Emotional abuse is bad too, but if you're physically abusing your mate, I mean, that's kind of a problem. Hey, you got to get out of that. Right. And um, that, that's, that's kind of a deal breaker. If you find that a person is losing themselves, you're at a point where, have you ever been in a relationship where you just lost yourself, either right. through codependency or you're doing something for other people to do for themselves, this mm -hmm. kind of in and out that we're doing? This, this, yeah. this plasticistic way to be going in our relationships, that's true. Um, yeah, those, those kind of things would be sticklers to me, but physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse over a period of time, the person's losing their identity. But those are times to, you know, seek some help, help to get therapy or just kind of just say, okay, it's a deal breaker. We're right. But I think a lot of uh, women and probably some men as well might be afraid uh, to get out of that type of dysfunctional relationship, um, you know, because of the nature of, of things that might be happening. So what would you, I mean, you know, what would you say to, to that type of indi individual that might be in that circumstance? I don't think it's hardly anything I could really say to them. I would say that they probably need to work on that relationship and you can't really work on that sometimes you can't work a relationship with the person that you have a relationship problem with you need to get mm -hmm. some individual help you need to right. reach out from yourself to reach out to other people some support groups you know you got you got uh, divorce uh, transitional divorce groups you got divorce support groups that help people work through things like that it may be good to maybe say in on one of those maybe see if you can peek in on the divorce uh, small group somewhere people who are trying to recover from one so that you can learn you know, some of the things that led them to that. And right. that's not, you know, but people are at different levels. Sometimes you have a person that's ready for divorce. You have a person that, that, that that's initiating it. Then you have non-initiators. Those non-initiators are people that you're talking about. They're, they're at this point where they're denying that there's a problem, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have these people that are kind of transitioning through that type of divorce. And uh, that's kind of deal breaker. And, you know, Everybody, I think there's a phase in the divorce or, you know, you got to get away called a transitional phase. That's the crazy time, you know, where everything's going haywire. Everything's mm -hmm. going crazy. Everybody's blaming everybody. Everybody's yeah. saying you're doing this, you're doing that, emotional. And that's when people start sexually acting out, you know. I think Will and Jada both said that they were lifetime mates, so they, they don't look at marriage in a sense. They call themselves lifetime partners. They say we're right. lifetime partners to a to a lifetime of bad marriage. I thought, boy, that's pretty, that's what they said, I think. They call it lifetime. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. thought, what is that? That's a pretty good definition. But they hmm. said, we, we ride together, we die together, and we have a bad marriage for life together. Right, so ride think, or die, huh? <laughs> die. So I think what they're saying, though, is if I'm thinking that, I'm thinking of context, what they were saying was that they know they have a bad marriage and they're willing to work through it. Mm -hmm. Because some people are committed to stay in a relationship because of the marriage union to the contract. Because a lot of times in slavery, that was connected to personhood. I'm telling you, laws and, and how people evaluate themselves, how they can be uh, eligible for contractual for land, wife, livelihood. So we had slavery, but we also had sweetheart and taken up in slavery times. And mm -hmm. they, see, check this out. This stuff with Will and Jada ain't new. This stuff happened back in slavery. We were, we were sweetheart and had sweet and had kids that were sweetheart kids. So 
if the community accepted and if the people worked out a relationship, they were shacking up way back in the Anglo slavery time. They just called it different. Back then it was sweethearting, then it was shacking, then we have living alone together. We have people who are 50, 60 years old, can't make it. They said, well, we could, we, you know what? We could, you, we could have a call at night, but during the daytime, you go on to your own house. You know, hmm. you come over and visit me and we can do what we do, but then you go home after that. So we got all this stuff. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff going on, huh? <laughs> a lot. Uh, a lot. Yeah, but one thing, you know, I think we should all do in a relationship is really try to understand the point and purpose of being in a relationship. And obviously, certainly that's to add value to one's life, to share the joys, the pain of life, you know, that life sometimes brings. And also uh, to enjoy the intimacy of sharing something very special with that special someone that we might have in our lives. However, Sometimes I think people find themselves in relationships, you know, for all the wrong reasons, as, as you've indicated in, in your book with some of the couples that you, you've seen over the years. Um, what would you say are some of the wrong reasons if we kind of date back to the start of the relationship? What are some of the wrong reasons to actually get into a relationship on the front end? Three things. Some people get in relationships because they have to. Mm-hmm. Some need to, some don't have any other alternative. Those are reasons why people commit, I think. When you say alternative, do you mean like financially? What do you mean by that? Absolutely. Have to. Have to or need to are financially associated or they feel like there's this kind of dependency. People, you know, to, to depend on somebody, I think people, I think, well, in the book I wrote about this one particular female that, that had issues with her father, father, her family schema. And she always tried to win her father because her father ruled over her mother. And so she wasn't letting that happen. So what she did was she came out of a relationship where she was always trying to fulfill her father in the males that she met. So she was always dominating males because her father dominated her mother. And so she wasn't letting that happen, so she tried to dominate. And there's one section in here I got in here called the angry black woman. But I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that all black women are angry, but I talk about some of the social issues that have been wrong against African-American women and the stereotypes that all African-American women are angry black women <laughs> and all African-American males right. are, are, you know what I mean, or just, they're just sexually driven and, and uh, you know, not intelligent. So I deal with all those historicities behind those kind of uh, uh, social perceptions. So I think people people have to, uh, when they come in relationships, they have to really think about the, the, the kind of uh, why they're there. You don't want to come in a relationship you just, if you just want to complete yourself. Don't look at it like that. You want to find somebody that loves you and cares for you. You want to find somebody that actually has been through something. You know what I mean? Or been raised in the right way. I did in the book, you know, Andre 3000 had a book. I mean, he had that song, an outcast, and said that men are down with women from Venus and women are down with men from Mars. Mars, yeah. Sometimes we make, yeah, we make miscalculations because we don't understand the things behind people. Like, for instance, can I say this quickly? My my dad, and I hate to compare this to a relationship because it's kind kind of not good. But that's the only thing I got right now. 
my dad, he should have told me more about when I'm trying to make it on my own. He should have told me to invest when I think about a car investing, get me a truck because a truck can do a lot. You know, you can go and do a lot with a truck. You can drive where you want to go in the truck. You can put things in your truck if you build your home. So I didn't understand the value behind what automobile I needed to pick. So when I'm picking a mate, I need to first sit down and find a criteria for me in which I'm going to choose a mate. We don't do that. So which we do, we look at social media, we look at all this other sexual stuff, and we look at all the, the negative things that we find, but we also have a white patriarchal society that have painted what a true marriage looks like that don't fit the African-American context. Right, right. So we leave out of there feeling like we can't live up to those same depths, right? Because it was never meant for us to live up to anyway. Mm -hmm. But because of the media, because of certain things that blaring us, and you wrote your doctor with this station on how the media affects us and, and all that thing. Right. Man, we got so much of this kernel stuff that's getting in our head. We need to get some internal stuff from which to draw from inside to judge the outside things that we're trying to bring in us. That is so that important, uh, you know, because that's one of the things I brought out in my dissertation is media ecology um, and mm. educating people about what they're seeing and the implications of what they're watching. And uh, that was a question I was going to ask you is, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, working from the inside. I mean, how, how does one even go about doing that? Because we're bombarded. We have our phones, we have our iPads, we have the TV in front of us. I mean, most of the millennials now, they, they're working on three and four devices at the same time, you know? So it's not like they're getting away from it. You know, even when they go walking, they have the phone with them or are doing another task instead of just maybe relaxing and thinking. And so, you know, I think those are really important things about how media does impact one's relationship. Um, how, how do you work from the inside out? Well, first you have to, I think what you have to do is you have to, Dr. Cornel West said, it takes courage to look on the inside. So first it takes some courage. You have to go down back. You have, first you have to, Take, take a step back. And really, Facebook gives us a, a social connection, but we're so emotionally more disconnected. We can control the relationship by our distance. Social distancing, Facebook, we can cut it off when we want to, right? If I don't like you, shoot, I hit a button on your relationship now, right? Boop, and you're gone, right? I don't have an emotional disconnection with you. I don't have to face the rejection or the grief or the remorse behind a relationship now. I can just hit my button and holler at you next, next two weeks or something. So first we have to draw back ourselves and then we have to start looking on the inside. First you have to get a good idea of yourself. We have to take a self-examination. Before you get into an other relationship with somebody else, take a good self-examination of yourself. See where you are, see what you know and what you don't. That's a good foundation I think for a relationship. And uh, I would start uh, thinking about the mate that you want. And don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, it has been proven that people tend to be more satisfied with people who are like them. But, you know, look at the variety of stuff that's out there to help you educate yourself on what you're getting into before you get into a relationship, right? right? Talk it through with people that you don't know. Talk about the families. Look at the mom. What is the mom? Is the mom or the person that you married? Is she happy? Is the dad happy? You know, I mean, find out the relationships they have with the person that you got. Take time to study before we make that commitment. 
right? Right. So you got to look inside that. You got to take that time away. But but as you said earlier, I think the odds are stacked against, especially the African American uh, family. You know, you mentioned that the U.S. Census Bureau uh, stated that forty-two percent of African American adults are uh, married, as compared to sixty-one percent of Caucasians and forty-nine percent of Hispanic marriages. So let's talk a little bit about what's really going on here. Um, is the black family in trouble with, with uh, those type of statistics that we're talking about? I think they are until those societal things tends to give us, you know, a, a hand up instead of a handout. I think that society has been challenged with, uh, with, with that. I mean, those are big stresses in a relationship. Your finances ain't right. If you don't have access to those finances or equal rights to those, it's going to affect your marriage relationship. My mother always said, they ain't no honey without money. So, I mean, if you go have, <laughs> you know, you got to have some finance and romance. They go hand in hand. Makes it a little difficult, you know, you can't. But, but, but let's talk about, you know, to, to go out on a date, you know, in the beginning of the relationship, one's courted and, you know, you're wine and dine. But obviously we're cutting all that out now with uh, COVID and social distancing. Well, some of us are. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, I bet, I mean, I've read that 20%, um, there, well, actually there's a 20% increase in, uh, domestic violence taking place, uh, because people are at home. Um, mm. so I don't know, uh, you know, what you think about, you know, some of the things that are making it so difficult for, uh, black couples to stay together outside of just, you know, finances, what are some other um, big obstacles and factors as you see it? Well, I think that I think another thing is what we think, what we've been taught is, is internal. Uh, I had a quote in my book, I became free once and began to soar mm. until what I was, until what I thought brought me down to the floor. Mm. It's what we think. It's the inside, it's an inside job. It's what we're thinking that causes us the struggles that we have. We don't see things like I said as we are, we see things as we are. And when you go in a relationship, it, it can't be me. It's gotta be we. You gotta understand, you gotta accept it for people think differently, act differently. You know, I always say unity is not uniformity, unity is being equally different. That's right. the paradigm in which we need to have. We need to have an equality being different equal. Not right. the same. Right. I think you can make better decisions. Um, that's why there are two halves that equal a whole, right? It's <laughs> right. because it's, right, right you know, and right on. Right. <laughs> 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 well, one person may think uh, very differently, you know, than the other. And so as you're making decisions about things, one person may bring up something that is highly valuable that you, because you think the way you do, you might not have thought of. So it's really right. important, I think, uh, for people to realize that and recognize that we are uniquely different and uniquely special. Um, right. and, and that that's what makes it good to be in a relationship with someone else that is not your clone. It's someone who has, has a brain and a mind and is going to think and also be able to, to add value and, in making those decisions. One thing, can, uh, can, can I add to that what you just said? Sure. What you just said was great because I tell people in relationships, you got to go from power trips to power strips. 
-hmm. What you talked about is from power trips to power strips. And that's true. You, you got the, the balance of power. You've been taught wrong things about how power, those roles in society. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go from trying to be the whole power source to being the source of power. And that's a different paradigm. Right. Empower people with power. Right. Um, one of the things you talked about earlier was uh, infidelity. I wanted to kind of revisit that a little bit. Um, yeah. That I also read in your book that it says that African American men specifically are two percent more likely than white males to have a chick on the side. Uh, why is that? Well, you really won't know the truth. <laughs> 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 I, I believe you can handle the truth. I, 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 can, I, can, hand, I can handle the truth, you know. <laughs> and, and, and guess what? And I won't shoot the messenger either. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, I, think, I think specifically with African American males, uh, it's at that point where they feel that there's no resolve. Hmm. It's at that point where you say, when is there time to say it's done? And where African American male is, he feels like uh, I did research with this. This book came from research. Right. African American males said the women said that African American males don't know how to be there for them. They don't know how to sit in their space in the female space. Yeah. And African American males said, "You emasculate. Me. You, 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 you know, you confront me in the wrong way. You know, you diss me and 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 you disrespect me." Because, and so I think a lot of American males feel like, it's like I said in the beginning about relationships and sexual infidelity, which, well, that's that one statement I mentioned is that we try to find gains in our losses. We're losing in relationships. That's why people go out and do sexual infidelity. They want to gain for their loss. Nobody, that, your, your body don't want to feel like you're losing. So you got to do something to gain. So we go out, what do we do? Perpetuate. And most of the time, some of that, some of that is emotional intimacy. Where after the intimacy is gone, and whatever we do out there in sexual infidelity, after penetration has happened, then we just got the sensation of penetration, and all the emotional stuff ain't got anything to do with that. So then we go from relationship to relationship to try to feel that loss. Hmm. When we just need to sit down, like you said, and deal with it. Why are we unhappy? Why are we feeling like we're losing? And a lot of that is, has been, I think, uh, uh, not fairly put on the other person. You know, when marriages happen and go wrong, it's always the other person's fault. You know how that is. Mm -hmm. Why are you here in a divorce? Because they did this or they did that. No, first you got to sit and figure out why you are where you are in response to what happened to you. Because you can't handle what happened to you, but you can sure handle your response to it. Right. So Absolutely. And, and building yourself up um, in terms of, you know, that can be emotionally draining. So sometimes you have to take a step back and, you know, build right. yourself up, right? Absolutely. Because you can go Absolutely. and have a, a sexual relationship with someone, and as you've got a sense of building that relationship with them, it's going to be empty. It's going to be empty. All it is is just the, the, the emotional intimacy or the infatuating of being in another relationship on a sexual level. Then after that's gone, you still got to deal with you. It's like drinking, right? You can have all the problems you want to go drink that thing. We call it a coldy body, coldy body. We 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 try and drink a cold when they get bold, meaning mm. that we deal with things by intoxicating or, or you know what that feeling or, or suppressing it. 
but you still got to deal with it after, you know, you got to deal with a hangover of a relationship or you deal with, you know, the real you. And those are two things that we got to deal with. The hangover that we have from the relationship we were in and the real us that we got to deal with because we're in that particular, particular situation. So I think that's what Will and Jada did. They, they realized that, we, we, you know, the, 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 the connection they had between each other, they had to get a sense of personal value to come to hell and have a collective value that they could be like partners. Right. And it seems like um, just from hearing them, they, they went outside to talk to different people. I don't know if they talked to a therapist, but I know uh, they mentioned talking to, to Ruby D and, and Ozzy, um, you know, yeah. just a, about, you know, uh, who had been married forever, right? <laughs> and right. Just, just getting some advice uh, f from people who have uh, maintained. I mean, I think with any relationship, I, I try to kind of look at it like um, you, you have family members that obviously you're born into a family. You can't change that. It is what it is. That's the difference between relationship. But if you kind of view your relationship like that, that um, people are going to change. People are, are going to, you know, have arguments, but that doesn't mean it has to be the end all be all. You have to figure out, well, what is really upsetting the other person and what, uh, you know, can you do personally? Because sometimes you want to, first of all, point the finger at the other person, but um, as, as a friend of mine always says, when you point the finger at someone else, you always got one coming back at yourself. So <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. That's so yeah. true sister. You need, yeah, you need to <laughs> be thinking, okay, what is it that I'm doing in this? Um, and sometimes, you know, maybe it's not something that you're doing. It's just maybe that person's in, internally unhappy, unhappy. And so you have to give them room and space to figure out what it is that's going on with them that they need to work on as well. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, just one of those things. But I did want to ask you also, you know, if there is infidelity in a marriage, do you feel that um, it's difficult to repair that relationship? Is, is it next to impossible? And, and if so, you know, what has to happen to do so? That's a tough question. Well, you ask some tough questions. <laughs> that's, that's why you're good at what you do. <laughs> that's, that's why you're good at what you do. Um, I, I, let me preface that by saying in relationships, you got to be committed to the conflict. You got to be committed to the relationship past the conflict. Mm -hmm. That's the thing in a marriage. You, you're going to have conflicts inevitably, but you've got to be committed to the relationship beyond the conflict. So, <clears throat> Uh, I think you. I think you said, "How can you overcome some are insurmountable with sexual infidelity?" It's the mm -hmm. conflict. Mm -hmm. It's it, you got to get a litmus test of your conflict plasticity. That's a new theory. <laughs> Love the it. Conflict plasticity <laughs> to, to, to how you go in and out of that conflict and how you can deal with it. Mm -hmm. That will determine if it's insurmountable or not. And wow. a lot of things that attribute to that is what you've seen, what you've lived, and how you feel. And, 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 and some sexual fidelity, you, you have to communicate, you know, people don't communicate because well, I'm, I'm sure when you that, that's done to a female or to a female, she tends to think that you really just did that to her. You know, you befriended the very precious thing that was between two people. Mm -hmm. So then it becomes 
more like a physical and an emotional wound and a holistic and and, and it's, it's a no-brainer. I mean, and so it's that, that's a dead end for some couples. Right, right. But, but but when you are committed to that person past the conflict, you can survive. Some people can't, they can't do that. They, they, they just can't. It's not in their DNA, it's not in their DR. Will and Jada, I mean, they were committed to each other past the conflict. Right. That's what so few people are able to do that. I mean, I feel like you, you must be on a much higher level and higher plane, you know, Absolutely. really, because most people are like, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a wrap. These. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 so, and it damages, it damages us, it does. Yeah, well, but let's look at this from a more, uh, I guess, spiritual standpoint, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, if you read the Bible, for example, you know, it teaches us that the one most important thing that uh, God really wants people to do is to love one another and ourselves. So obviously to believe that people, you know, can't work it out goes against godly wisdom and principle. Am I right? Absolutely. And have you read Genesis 3 when it talks about how the woman would have a desire for her husband? In the Hebrew rendition of that word, there's not a verb. She will desire to be, to be over that man. And that man will desire to be over her. There we marriage conflict. Now we're desiring to be over somebody instead of right instead of be equal. Now right. we we are desiring to desire over someone. Nobody should ever experience somebody trying to live over them. That is just emasculation. It can happen on the female and the male level. So in Genesis right. three got a lot of deepness stuff in there. Adam and Eve was wrestling with some stuff. <laughs> and that desire with that control and that power, you know, and it does a lot. It's like Frodo. Can't everybody carry that, you know? They can't right. carry it without it overcoming them. Right. So well, it's, it's, it's a trip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we also, you know, we were talking earlier a little bit about negative influences in, in media. You know, I really want to know if you, I mean, since you obviously counsel a lot of couples, um, how do you encourage them to sort of guard themselves um, against negative influences that might impact their relationship? Well, I got a little uh, exercise I use, and I got it from Denzel Washington on his movie mm -hmm. Fences. Fences. Mm -hmm. Okay, picture in your mind that little white fence that you go at Lowe's and buy to put out around your flowers. So when you think about a fence, the first thing you think about is probably boundaries, protection, right? So the couples need to understand the fence. Understand that a reason why somebody puts up a fence is because they feel vulnerable, not that they're trying to attack you with their fence so that you don't become defense with the fence. We don't know how to, we, we, we get defensive when we see a fence. So we defend it. You put your fence up, I'm going to put my fence up, right? Right. You get, you, look, not, you, now you get over there and I'm going to get over here. Right. <laughs> we got to understand the fences, why they're going up anyway. Right. So it's, that's the sense of empathy. We got to look beyond our own fence into other person's defense or fence to understand and not be defensive with our fence. Does that make but, sense? Yes, but so many people do, you know, the first time there's that first argument and, and you go from wedded bliss to what did I miss? 
Um, you know, you'll, <laughs> you'll, hear people, use it. <laughs> you'll hear people say things like, you know, I would never gotten married in the first place if I knew yeah. he or she was going to change like this. Or, you know, it was kind of like false advertising <laughs> in the beginning of the relationship. You know, you're being courted and treated nicely and taken to the movies and this and that. Oh, yeah. and then, all of a sudden, you wake up one day and you're looking at that person next to you, going, "Who are you? You know, Who like what it? happened here? Who? Is, yeah." <laughs> so, but obviously, it's not reasonable to think that one will change. We, you know, one is not going to change over time. And so, right. um, I mean, what do you say to those people who is like, "Well, I, you know, how did this happen?" You know, it's like they wake up twenty, thirty years later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, 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 first I would say, like what you said, instead of looking for the change outside of you, my answer would say, you be the change, right? Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. got to be the change because every, every marriage person says that the reason why this marriage didn't work is because that person didn't change. And this is the thing, well, why you didn't change? I mean, <laughs> last time I heard it was two people. And, and, first, and one thing I heard is that marriage becomes dysfunctional when it has more than one person in it. Mm. Yeah. It's the, this, the dysfunction is on both sides. It's yeah. one person can't be the only one that's dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. Nah. Nah. Right. I said nah, N-A-H, nah. Right. Or, no. It obviously <laughs> takes two to tango, it, right? <laughs> it, it, takes two to, it takes two to make a thing go right. That was a song, right? It right. takes two to make it out of sight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so the change, you have, to, you have to take some introspection, some reflection, work on the inside to understand that things may not change on the outside, but be the change so that, you know, until that person works through the process of it. Find you someone to first identify that you got an issue. That's the first big thing. Marriages, we got to see, when I told people about black marriage and not feeling it, they were like, don't talk negative. We don't need any positives. So I said, well, get the book. If you get the book, you'll get that's it. the first, you'll get it. <laughs> Right. Book. It's not about guilt, it's about understanding first. Mm -hmm. Then you're able to receive the other stuff. But you first have to understand we got a problem. And if you don't believe it, look around. This is everywhere. And uh, but we can survive, but it's been back in history. You go back to the like I said, three-fifth compromise, 13th, 14th, 15th commandment, sweethearting, you know, taking up. I mean, it's been in our history. Mm -hmm. Distancing even in slavery, distancing taught us to distance ourselves, but still keep the relationship. We don't know, we didn't know in slavery when we were going to get shipped off somewhere. So we, we, we you know, over years after Americans, we've been perpetuated with distancing and, and keeping our self and checking it, check on the side, you know what I mean? And conforming to social norms. It's been a part of our history. Yeah. We got to understand so, it. You know, I think a lot of people don't understand that, how something that happened, you know, so many years ago, over 200 years ago, is still impacting yeah. us in, in such a, a, a dramatic way. And that's, that's something that people talk about. It's like, they just see the problem, but they don't realize there's been a vicious cycle um, mm -hmm. that goes and is tied to poverty uh, yeah. and racism and all these things that the Black family has had as, as a burden over many, many years. So it's like to, to all of a sudden change that without proper resources to change that. I don't, you know, I don't know how one goes about that because I, I, I also read in your book, you have couples that you, you counseled that maybe both were making a, a 
black couples that were making a lot of money, attractive, you know, seemed to have, like you were saying earlier, everything going on, but just lost the connection. Um, And and some of that's deep rooted in history. Um, Mm. So, you know, I don't know how one goes about um, rectifying that longstanding issue that is obviously coming out more and more as we talk about um, the things that are happening in, in our society right now. Well, I think that they should, you know, black families for as long have had the, uh, the, the, the history of not wanting to go get help. We want to sit down with Big Mama and they're not wrong with that over meatloaf and cornbread, right. and, you know, good, you know, and right. then talk right. it out. But, right. you know, and we would know with social distancing and, and the media and Facebook, we ain't walking it out and talking it out at the table no more. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we can't, we, we all plugged in, right? With the, with the cell phones and we ain't talking to each other. So we yeah. need therapy. We need, we, we, we get out of therapy more than anybody. And I'm saying right now to your listening audience, if you don't, if you're in a marriage and you're not feeling it, go get some therapy. Quit, right. quit tripping on what you're tripping on. Go right. get some help. And, right. and so for some of us, we, we, we tend to institutionalize therapy like they don't, you know, we need more black people in therapy. We need, and I, there is a healthy thing about going to somebody that just looks like you that you can go get that help from. I'm not saying that other white people or Asian or Hispanics can't do that, but mm-hmm. you know, it's healthy to go to some, you know, uh, African American therapist and go get some help with that. Well, you know how you just talked about going to, to Big Mama or whoever to get that yeah. re- relationship advice. What do you think about bringing your family into your relationship like that? Because I think um, some people, you know, go to, to a friend or someone else besides uh, uh, somebody who is a licensed counselor and they, they end up with what they may get and that might not always be the best thing. So, you know, how, how strongly would you advise against that and how detrimental that can be to a relationship? Okay, let me make sure I understand. Are you saying... What, that a person should go out and find someone else? No, I'm to? saying if, no, I, I'm saying that I think sometimes talking to, bringing family members or friends mm. into your relationship as opposed to someone who's a licensed therapist or counselor can be very detrimental. And well, uh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, I understand what you're saying. You're right. I, I would say that you could, I, I, wouldn't have, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be against it totally, because like you said, they went to Ruby D. So it's according to who you get to come in there. Now you don't right. want to get you don't want to get advice from single Sally. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or 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 isolated stand, you don't want to go there because you already <laughs> you already know what they're coming in there with. Right. I mean, why they coming? They need to be coming to you. Right. Well Answers. that's what happened with J- Will and Jada, see? No. <laughs> see? You get See? the wrong, you, you go out there and get that advice and you're right, it's going to perpetuate. So right. I'm not opposed to totally against that, but you got to pick that person that you talk to. But I would more importantly go to somebody neutral, like a therapist, to walk that thing through. They help you walk it out. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and it's those friends that may help you to recognize that something may be unhealthy in that relationship um, and, and could ultimately advise you to seek you know, help or counseling. Um, yeah, definitely. So um, one thing um, 
we also talked about, you know, considering divorce as a, a last option uh, mm. was what I think Will and Jada seem to recognize that we're in, in a relationship and a partnership here. Um, but when you get to where you really aren't feeling that marriage anymore, um, you know, would you say that, you know, or at what point would you say it's really time to just say, hey, I'm, I'm done here? I know yeah. that's a difficult one. <laughs> uh, I, well, it is. And, and I would say that, um, I, I would say physical abuse. Um, because there's more than just you not getting along that would merit, you know what I mean? But if it yeah. turns into violence, if it turns into a sense of where you're stripping a person of their individuality and it's just happening over time, uh, those are two biggies right there for me. Um, that's just, and I think the other stuff, if you're committed to the relationship, you've got to first start, here's another one. You've got to, if you're, you, this is where a person has to take self-examination. If you're not in it for the long haul, then you need to get out. Mm -hmm. If you're not willing to stick in there with it and, and understanding what all that means behind that, that doesn't mean that you get in your way or, or things have to be like you want. It means that you're committed to the relationship past that conflict. Mm -hmm. That's so important because, as you know, all of us are married, but all of us have problems in our marriage. Right. So like, well, that's it. like any relationship, you know, any like I was saying earlier, you can, you know, have conflict with a brother, a sister or whatever. But right. at the end of the day, they're still your brother or your sister. And so right. I think we have to kind of keep that in mind that, uh, as my mama says, too, there, tomorrow's another day, you know, right. as long as you're six, six feet above as, below, as, as opposed to below, you're, you're doing good. <laughs> well, and if that sexual fidelity is there, I would say that's a, that's a deal breaker for some. Like I said, the, the emotional disattachment where it's just causing problems with that person. Those are, those are pretty big ones. And I mean, there's life on the other side of divorce for people. It's been proven. Mostly statistics say that males do better because they do better financially. So that helps them with repairing from the divorce, from the transition into the divorce. But females are doing better now because they're, 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 they're out there too, working, being industrial, doing the things they have to do. And mm -hmm. uh, that, so, yeah, I, yeah, those, those two big ones. Yeah, but what about, well, I think I read that the statistics, what are the statistics, like if a woman is beyond the age of 25 and is going to remarry, what are the odds that she will actually get into a relationship, uh, another healthy relationship? Well, that's, that's in the book too. I think, I, think that, I think under 25, there's an 80% chance of African-American females uh, or males remarrying. Over 25 is 42 percent mm -hmm. of them married. Um, usually across the board with any ethnicity, uh, second or third marriages don't make it because they didn't do it in the first marriage and they didn't learn anything. They just keep perpetuating that on out. Not all of them, but on the average. So yeah, that under 25 is like 80 percent and then 42 percent for those over 25 from African-American males and females in, in remarrying. But see, yeah. the issue is have they got it settled before they remarried? You're just taking it with you, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so many people do that. They get out of one relationship and get into another. And then also, we were talking about the millennials. Um, 
them not really wanting to even get into a relationship because of kind of what they're seeing and experiencing and witnessing. And I think that <clears throat> that, that is something that is, is really important to note that, um, you know, millennials uh, should think about um, what is the reason for the relationship? What is the purpose here? Because so many uh, times um, it's, it's uh, what I'm seeing on uh, social media and what have you is that like uh, some of these apps like Tinder or whatever, it's it's making it where people are sort of disposable and you know you mm. swipe right if you like somebody swipe left if you don't what have you you know <laughs> this is not healthy i don't think um to, no, to put people where you make them disposable and so um mm. that's something you know obviously that's a a, a conversation to have with your children <laughs> that yeah. you really don't want them with that type of mindset because every person i think has value and we don't want to treat people like they're disposable that like they're basically not human because we're all human so um i think that's something to consider and then uh one thing is you were talking about um unhealthy relationships and getting into it with someone where there might be violence i wanted to mention that you know there might be times when someone needs to take out an order of protection, right? Yeah. Or, you know, it, it can get to that point where um, there are things that you can do to um, have a better uh, life. And, and sometimes that does involve stepping away. Um, yeah. Um, and you need as, help too. You need help with that. Right, right, right. And that's the thing. Um, and I would like to reiterate that as we, kind of come to the, the close here, um, how important it is to, to seek professional help um, and, and getting that guidance. Um, and uh, Dr. T does uh, practice. He is someone that you can um, actually look at that looks like, uh, possibly looks like you that can offer that help and that assistance and that guidance. Is there anything you'd like to add um, to that as, as you reach out to, to people about, uh, you know, your book and, and uh, your practice? Dr. Celeste, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for you and growing respect. Um, the last words I would say, if there's anybody out there, if you're black and married and not feeling it, or if you just married and not feeling it, I'll let me. Give me a call. Get, get the book. Get the book. And uh, come see me because it's time to go to work. Right? right. And uh, I don't think there's any perfect marriages. I just no. think that people learn to work through it. You know? And un with understanding and commitment and all those things that are in there. Identification. Those things are important. And uh, it's not the end of the world. I know it feels like it a lot of times. But reach out and get help where you can, like that. And, and, right. Awesome. Yeah, those, those are things I would say. And on those parting words, I think we've come to the end of our time period here. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I, I hope that uh, folks get out there and, and that they uh, stay healthy, stay safe. We'll, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Okay. Can you tell them to get it on Amazon and Kindle? The book can be found yeah. on Amazon. Amazon and Kim Kindle. We will um we, we can put up a little 
thing in the end. <laughs> so thank you again for joining us. Thank we'll, you, Ms. Celeste. We'll see you next time. We'll be on again in two weeks. Bye-bye. Sounds good. Bye-bye.